Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is July the 20th, and the passage for today is Malachi chapter 3. Well, it is in theory. Actually, over the next five to six days, I'm going to do three to four extra podcasts besides the particular scripture for the day. And the reason is we are finishing up the Tanakh, the law, the prophets, and the writings. And we are about to begin the Berit Hadashah, the new covenant, the new Testament. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take probably at least three podcasts and I'm going to sum up the entire Old Testament in one podcast. And then I'm probably going to do a part one and a part two of in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem us from under the law, from the law. And that's out of the book of Galatians chapter four and verse four. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to start at the Babylonian period, then the Persian period, then the Greek period, then the Roman period to show in some detail how that God prepared the world for the coming of his son. Those are called the silent years, the intertestamental period. We know very little about that. We know very little about our own American history. We certainly know even less about world history and the events that led up to the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. But if you do not know how God prepared the world, you will not know the world into which Jesus came. And because of that, the West is ignorant of the things of God. We believe that the Bible is a Western book. We believe that it is only from the Reformation. And so what I want to do is I want to urge you not to go back 500 or 600 years to the days of the Reformation. I want to take you back 2,500 years to the days when God prepared in his own way the story of God and how it continued through the intertestamental period, these silent years. Let me just warn you ahead of time that we should never think of silence when we refer to God as inactivity, because God is never status. He is never still. We are still before him, but God is always moving. He's always working his plan because you see, God knows the end from the beginning and he has it all laid out and he is working all of world history. That's right. Sometimes we get the idea that there's secular history and then there's biblical history. No, it's all It's all, my friend, his story. And so back to the book of Malachi. The book of Malachi is the last of the books, of course, of the prophets. And uh, I believe, as far as my research can take me, that it was written specifically sometime between 420 and 415. That is just 400 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It was still the Persians who were in control. But this is a 100 years, a 100 years after the prophecies of Haggai and Zechariah, Zechariah that we dealt with yesterday in the podcast. It was a time when the people had already turned their back on God. They had gotten cold. 
You see, this happened even at the end of the New Testament period, which is still coming to fruition. It's been lasting now 2,000 years, and John, on the island of Patmos, heard the words of Jesus as Jesus said, I want you to send seven letters to seven churches, and the first one I want you to send it to is Ephesus. John was the pastor there. Now think about it. Ephesus had a tremendous history. The Apostle Paul started the church. Timothy was the next pastor. Then Apollos. Then John. That's right. The one who took Mary, the mother of Jesus, into his home. And then church history tells us that Onesimus, that's right, Onesimus, the runaway slave from Colossae, whose boss and slave owner was Philemon. A book was written to him by the Apostle Paul, a letter, and you can read that. But that is what tradition says, that Onesimus was the pastor after the Apostle John was exiled. But to that church at Ephesus, you remember what the Lord said, you're doing everything. Oh, it was a wonderful church. It was the leading church in the Greco-Roman world at the close of the first century. It was not Rome. It was not Jerusalem. It was Ephesus, which is on the coast of uh, western Turkey. The Lord Jesus said to them, you're doing everything well, but one thing that I've got against you, and you've got to deal with it. You must repent of it. You must remember from where you have fallen and go back and do the first work. What is the first work? To love the Lord your God with the totality of your being. This is the most important thing that any of us can do. And so Malachi is writing to a people who were doing a lot of things right. They were they were following some instructions, but they had grown cold and and their coldness led to disobedience. You see, it always does. Otherwise, if we don't love God, and He's not the center of our life, and the only way He stays at the center of our life is if we stay in the Word. The Word of God is the only thing that will keep you hot and going. And this is why I'm doing these podcasts every day. This is why I'm asking you to read through the Scripture with me, is because we're going to learn in the next few podcasts that if we don't stay in the Word, it's easy to cool, not just in our our service, but our service is cool because our love grows cold. You see, if you're madly committed to someone, you're wildly committed to someone, you are in love with them and you are committed to them and you're loving them and you've cultivated that and you've worked at that and you're continually stoking the coals, then it is easier for you and for me to walk in obedience. And this is what happened. Malachi basically was chiding them because their love was gone. And because their love was gone, there was the treachery, the treachery of infidelity. They were not faithful to their own wives, and they were, they were getting into relationships that they shouldn't. And so when we come to chapter 3, God said, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Of course, that's John the Baptist. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Now that gives assumption that there's going to be a temple for him to come to. Well, you know the temple was destroyed, the second temple, in 70 A.D. by Vespasian and his son, Titus, we call Titus, in 70 A.D. It was a three-year ordeal, started in 67, ended up in 70. They totally destroyed the beautiful temple, the second temple that Herod had remodeled during the days of Jesus for about 35, 40 years. It took that kind of work to do this magnificent structure. But it says that the Lord will come to a temple. 
to his temple. And so there's going to be another temple. And this is not the only verse that deals with that. There's many. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Now look at this. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. And he will set as a refiner and a purifier of silver. Listen to this. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. In other words, they were ungodly. They were unrighteous. And God said, I'm going to purify my people. Now, how does he do that? He does that in the fire. He does that in the fire. You see, this is why the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1 says that God has begotten us again unto a living hope. And then he begins to reel off from 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, verse 6, verse 7, all of these great blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. But then he says, but if for a time you are in a fiery trial that will try your faith, that will purify your faith. You see, fire will do one of two things. It will either destroy or it will purify. Wood, hay, and stubble and things that are not of God will be burned away. Gold, silver, precious stones will be purified in fire. I know time is going to get away from us. And and so you say, well, are you saying that it is impossible for us to uh, truly be purified without fire? That's exactly what I'm saying. That's the pattern of Scripture. You see, the history of the Jewish people is that they are in a continual cycle of the blessing of God, uh, the rest and joy of God, the peace of God, and then they rebel. And God has to chastise them. And then they repent and turn to him. And then God restores them. But you see, this is not just the Jewish people. This is you. This is me. God does this to me. The writer of the book of Hebrews says in chapter 12, every child that God receives, he chastises. And he said, if you do not have chastisement, if you're not in the fire ever, then you're not his child. The King James uses the word bastard. You're an illegitimate child. You see, we've got this idea in this health and wealth generation. All we need to do is just obey, to give, to sow seed, do this, that. And we're going to be rich. We're going to be wealthy. That's not what the Bible teaches. Now, some will be, and thank God for that. But the reality is that this world is not our home in its present form. The world is not our our friend. And so our purpose here in life is not to be rich. Our purpose here in life is to be righteous and obedient. Many times we forget about that until God sends the fire. The reason God sends fire is because he wants to conform us to the image of Jesus. You see, the goal of the Christian life is not to have things. The goal of the Christian life is not to even have power. The goal of the Christian life is to be like Jesus. And the reason this concept of fire, of purification of gold and silver and this precious metal is that we are likened unto metal. This is what Malachi is talking about. This is what Peter is talking about. It's confluent and consistent all the way through. This is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. 
You see, when God puts us in the fire, when we go through fiery trials, and I'm not talking about suffering for our own sin. I'm talking about when we are walking with God and we're seeking to walk with God and, and God wants to purify us. He wants to, he wants to make us more pliable. He wants to make us moldable so we won't break because you see, Pure gold is moldable. It's pliable. You can move it with your hand. That's why that 10 to 14 karat gold is all that a ring can be in because if you put it in 21 karat gold, a man that has any strength could smash a ring with just his index finger and his thumb because it's very pliable. And if you get any more than that, well, then it turns to mush. It's, it's almost like putty. And so this is why when we think about what we need to do to get back to loving God, it's it's all about loving Jesus and being like Jesus. And Malachi was saying to the people, the messenger's coming, the Messiah's coming, the he's coming to his temple, we need to get ready, and God's going to put you through the fire, sons of Levi. God's going to put you through the fire and get you back to living the way that you need to and loving God and doing what he said to do. You see, the law is not designed to be legalistic in the sense that we think about it. The word Torah is not the word law. It's the word instruction. It's more like teaching. There's only so much law and rules and ceremony, but it's it's about knowing and walking with God. And so this is why he said, I will purify the sons of Levi and purge them. Purge out what? Purge out the dross. You see, the ancient artisans, uh, especially the silversmiths, had a procedure. What they would do is they would get silver ore. As you know, silver doesn't come out like we look at it out of the earth. It comes out as ore, and it has all kinds of impurities, has dirt, has alloys, has all kinds of things that are not pure. So the way you get that out is through fire. You put it in a pot, you put it in a cauldron, and you heat it up. And an artisan will know just exactly how to heat it, and the dross and impurities will come to the top because they're light. They would take in these great cauldrons, and they would have a paddle of sorts, and they would skim off all the dross, and they would cast it aside. Then they would get it hotter, and more dross would come out, and more and more. And finally, all the dross would come up, and they would paddle off that last little bit. I asked my professor who had taught this. He uh, had been our missionary to Nazareth. He was fluent in Arabic, Hebrew, and uh, Koine Greek. His PhD was in Koine Greek. He knew more about the Jewish people than anyone I've ever known that wasn't Jewish. I said to him, I said, how did the silversmith know when it was ready to pour into the mold, when it was really ready for use and for the best use, for the best uses? And he said, oh, that's easy. Tony, listen to me. That was easy. He would get up over the pot and he knew that the silver was ready. He knew that it was ready for the mold for his best purposes when he could stand over the pot and all the dross was out and the silver was pure. He would be able to see his reflection in the silver. Then he knew it was ready. He said, this is the way it is with the Lord himself. The Lord puts us in the fire. He gets out the impurity. And he keeps skimming off all of that which is no good. And he knows when we're ready for the best purposes, when he can look into the silver, look into our lives, and not see us, but see an image of his own dear face. This is God's word for us today. Are you going through the fire? Listen to me. 
Every child of God is going to go through the fire, the fire of purification, the fire of discipline, the fire of trials of every sort. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse. The word there is variegated, various colors and kinds. There's no not one kind of trial, James said. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. The word is not temptation there. That's solicitation to do evil. It's the same word for testing. When you fall into various trials, testings, Why? Because it is the trying of your faith that works patience, and patience gives you the endurance that you need. And if you lack wisdom as to why you're going through the fire, you can ask God. He will open it up and give it to you liberally, and the Bible says He won't fuss at you for asking. That's right. He'll do it without upbraiding you. He will not scold you. Why? Because He wants you to know Him. He wants you to love Him. So as we go through Malachi over the next couple of days, just remember this. The whole purpose of Malachi is to remind the people that even at the closing of the Old Testament canon, the law, the prophets, and the writings, that the people were still struggling with their own sinfulness. And God was going to deal with them as children, not as strangers, but as children. And he is the Redeemer. And he came to earth to redeem us. I pray, I pray you're encouraged as you walk on the way. I'm Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.